Welcome to the GDPR Stand Up Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping you succeed with GDPR compliance. Your host is Rocio Beza. Let's get started. Hey there, Rocio Baeza here, the host of the GDPR Stand Up Podcast. Welcome to today's show. Today we have a pretty awesome treat. I am going to be sharing a conversation that I recently had with an old colleague of mine, Sanju. So if you are a first-time listener, welcome. If you are a regular listener, welcome back to the show. This is going to be a slightly different format from the previous episodes. In previous episodes, my focus has been more on just sharing more information on the, the specifics behind GDPR and other regulations that mirror GDPR. And we are slowly or gradually transitioning on to having on more guests so that we can learn from other practitioners in the field and we can learn a little bit more about their progression, uh, the, the type of work that they are doing. And the idea here is to give you a more uh, well-rounded d- discussion and perspective on things like GDPR. So with Sanju, so this is actually a conversation that I have broken out into two parts. And this is what you can expect in today's episode. Sanju walks us through how she got started in the data privacy space and how she was able to carve out a a path using her previous background. Uh, And just as a a spoiler, her path, I would say, is probably non-traditional. And I think this is very admirable and motivating for anyone that is looking to enter the data privacy space. We also cover just inspiring words for anyone that is looking to build knowledge and pivot or gain expertise in the data privacy space. We both share how uh, we carved our, our own paths here. And I hope that this is motivational so that if you have that interest for either sometime in 2019 or beyond, you feel like you have what it takes to make that leap. We also talk briefly on just the shift that I've noticed in the drivers for organizations investing in data privacy and data security initiatives. I would say that in the past, this has been more compliance driven and it's starting to become more driven by just new industries, new markets, and new partnerships that organizations are looking to expand to, but they really need to have their data privacy and data security programs in order, in order to close those deals. Sanju also describes what her last year has been like. So right now she's supporting her organization with data privacy and GDPR type support. And she she gives us a peek into what her focus has been in the in the first full year that GDPR has been in effect. And to close it out, we have a very candid conversation on cer- cer- certifications. And I love the awesome spin that Sanju has on how we should think about certifications and how certifications have supported her in, throughout her career. So. It's a very interesting conversation. I'm so glad to be able to share this with you. And let's go ahead and take a listen. So Sandra, I'm, I'm very excited mm-hmm. for the conversation. It, it, it's, it's been a while since we last touched base, right? Mm-hmm. A year? 
two well, years. Besides the phone call we had like a month or so ago, mm-hmm. yeah, it had been like a year probably. For I a year say, ago. Yeah, I wouldn't say okay. too much longer than that, but like okay. yeah, a year. Cool. Well, thank you for making the time. It's great to see you. And I'm looking forward to hearing too, like what what your experience has been over the last year or so. <laughs> All right, San Sanju. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, uh, what you're doing right now, and kind of like how your past work led you to now. Well, Rocio, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I'm Sanju Walker, and before I got into technology, mm-hmm. I was a city planner. And I always was curious about tech, um, and and I wanted to work in tech. Mm-hmm. And I attended a coding boot camp, a full stack coding boot camp. And after that, I worked for about a year as a web developer. And my first job out of the coding boot camp, I worked in the JavaScript language. Uh, I also did some Jasmine code testing of the software, and. From there, I was recruited into information security, where I worked as a consultant for a startup, where I did vulnerability scans of of our mid to small size customers' websites. I also worked with COPA, which is the Children's Online Protection Act. Mm -hmm. And I also worked with the Privacy Shield. And that was when the Privacy Shield first came out. So that was my first uh, introduction uh, into an actual data privacy framework. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I wanted to really teach people about data privacy and online protection and things that they can do to try to safeguard their personal information. So I would hold the security online workshops at a local tech center. And then I also continued my education online by getting certain certifications. And some of the certifications that I hold is as an agile certified practitioner, I also have a CompTIA Security Plus cert, and right now I am studying for the IAPP, Certified Information Privacy Technologist. And of course, IAPP is for the International Association of Privacy Professionals. So that's my kind of uh, brief experience. Awesome. And I'm impressed that you keep track of the acronyms, (laughs) what they mean. I, I usually just... Remember the acronyms, I look it up and I'm like, oh yeah, this is what it stands for. Yes. <laughs> so Sandra, I, th- I think it's very impressive that you went from, like to me, it looks like very a very interesting path, right? Yeah. So you started off with city planning, got involved with software development, got an interest with data security, data privacy. And now I think your your main focus is on data privacy work, right? And, and, yes. and we'll talk a little bit more about the work that you, you've done specifically there. But I think it's commendable to mention that those that are entering in the data privacy and the data security space, you can really go into the space regardless of where you're at. I think that the experience and the skill set that you've brought from before, I think that's definitely applicable. And these are all skills that can be transferable when it comes to data security and privacy. So I just want you to know that that like that's pretty awesome that that you were able to like I feel like 
in the in the year in the time that that we've known each other it sounds like you had this very strong desire to get into the the the, the space and you tried different things to eventually get there and i admire your persistence and your dedication and uh, for any, any, anyone that is looking to do exactly that and, and get to learn a little bit more about data security and data privacy to know that it's definitely doable. Yes, it is. I, I agree. And thank you. I think the data privacy field comes, there's people that are attracted to it uh, from other fields mm-hmm. be, because you do need to have a broad or a breadth of knowledge, not only about data protection and security, but there are other types of experiences Mm -hmm. that people can bring, legal, for example, or marketing, sales, project management. I mean, it's just so broad. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I hope that other people also find that perhaps data protection and security is, is a viable career or field or just to actually know the principles of it uh, mm-hmm. as a software developer for example is is great so mm-hmm. yes anyone can 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 be able to thrive in this field got it okay and and as i think think back so my start in security was on the technology side so i got started with data security by helping my what was then my organization uh, get through uh, security audits. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I feel like I've seen this evolution where security was initially owned on the tech side. So I felt like it was common for like a director of IT or a director of software engineering or whoever was leading tech at the organization to own security. And over the years, I feel like there has been like this trickle down effect where security is start to starting to seep into uh, different areas outside of, of, of tech. Mm-hmm. So as an example, on the legal side, right, we're starting to see more data privacy laws and regulations that are in that are being in, in introduced and passed here in, in the US. And I feel like that has been a, a trickle down effect from G- GDPR. So I think that is why that is one one of the reasons that but we're starting to see folks on the legal side starting to get more interested in the in the space. But then you can also t- take sales, right? So uh, many clients that I've worked with, they are starting to prioritize or starting to make more investments in security because the sales team is having a hard time closing new business because these partners are asking more and more questions around data security. So I'm starting to see, I have been seeing that folks on the sales side and on the operation side, they're starting to see that if they want to continue to grow into new markets, new sectors, or even geographies, they're having to answer lots of questions around security. So we're starting to see the conversation shift from the technology side to the operational side, um, which is a good a good sign because I think that this is broadening who is involved with the security or privacy initiative. And I think that is what will make it somewhat easier for someone that wants to break into the space and they might feel like they can't because they don't have the technical background, but in reality, they, they don't need it. And if they do, it's something that can be picked up along 
the way. Yes, I I agree that you don't need to start off in data privacy or protection with a technical background. You can certainly gain that on your own while you're working in the field or trying to get into the field. You can certainly gain those skill set mm-hmm. by taking online courses or studying for a certification like I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think everybody at an organization, actually, I don't think I know everyone in an organization should definitely have a privacy training either the organization provides it for their employees and their stakeholders. Mm -hmm. I believe that's very important. Mm -hmm. And everyone within a company organization needs some sort of data privacy awareness training. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm I'm definitely a fan of saying that Mm -hmm. and delivering that because I think that that is what will help just organizationally having a very consistent understanding of, okay, what does security mean? And what does that mean for me? So I I agree with you there. And I think we're going to be going a little bit deeper there throughout the conversation. Okay, great. So GDPR went to effect about a year ago. And and, uh, can you talk about some of the work that you've been involved with over the last year? Feel free to share what like the main project was, what your role was, and then we'll 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 see where the conversation goes. Uh, at my current organization, I help the product and business teams to complete their data mapping questionnaires. Mm-hmm. And these questionnaires or surveys uh, are sent out to uh, the product teams for our current, applications okay. and when we review new applica- uh, software either, mm-hmm. either third third party software or proprietary mm-hmm. software that mm-hmm. we have so we always start with a data mapping mm-hmm. questionnaire okay and from there that questionnaire is our base so it's like our master document okay where we then complete other assessments, like for example, uh, the data privacy impact assessment. So we do do DPIAs. Okay. And I help the, so from the data mapping questionnaire, Mm -hmm. based off of the results or the data from there, Mm -hmm. I then will construct or complete a DPIA. Okay then the product teams will review mm-hmm. what assessments myself and my team mm-hmm. have completed okay. and they will sign off on that document. Okay. And then we also, what I help the teams do mm-hmm. is to complete a, a data subject access request or a SAR. And yep. you've talked about all of these assessments on your podcast mm-hmm. and all these assessments are Critical. Mm-hmm. They are. <laughs> but you can start, you don't have to start with all of them at once. Right. But I would say that you really should start with a, a data mapping survey. Okay. To begin with, because that's that will be your master document. Mm-hmm. So with the SAR. Mm-hmm. So would you say that this has been your focus? Like this is your focus now? And was was that the focus a year ago? 
or were those two different things? The assessments that I've mentioned, that was our focus a year ago. Wow. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And do you know when the your company started to uh, uh, build the process of putting together a, a program? Right. So the director of data privacy was first hired, mm-hmm. and that person was instructed to build a team. Okay. And I was approached to be one of the first data privacy analysts for for my company. That's awesome. Yes. It's and it's very exciting to build the first data privacy program. It really is. And so we were very ambitious as to sending out data mapping questionnaires to the mm-hmm. product teams mm-hmm. and then from there mm-hmm. we you know we built we didn't have software. We didn't have a particular software. So we started like with manually building our assessments. Okay. And it doesn't, as you said in your podcast, it does not need fancy tools. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't to start. Mm-hmm. And that's what we started with. We con- constructed, we built our own assessments based mm-hmm. off of recommended assessments mm-hmm. uh, from the t- UK uh, Information uh, commi- Commissioner's Office. Yes, the ICO. The ICO. Yep. Yes, we started with their documents. Okay. And and other ones, but mm-hmm. we started there. Okay. And so that was our focus. Okay. And then from there, after we we also did the um, RDP or mm-hmm. ROPA, the Record of, of Processing Activities. Okay. <laughs> so that is where you write down, okay, these are all the different ways that we are using personal information. Did I get that, that, that right? Or would you describe it differently? The ROPA or RDP, I would describe it as you're tracking each piece of information mm-hmm. that f- flows in and outside of the of the company or the organization. And from that assessment, it's really healthy or good to build. It will help you to construct a data map or a data chart. Okay. To see the categories of personal information mm-hmm. that you're processing. Okay. Uh, so it goes into categories mm-hmm. of personal data, mm-hmm. and then it also asks about it asks for the retention. How long are you keeping the data? Mm-hmm. And it asks who are you collecting the information from? Mm-hmm. Are you transferring it? Is mm-hmm. it secure transfers? Okay. And what third parties are you? transferring this information to so so it really gets more detailed Mm -hmm. so you can therefore build a data map okay got it so i think it's awesome that your company was wise in building a team to build this because it sounds like if there were these surveys that were being sent out to the product teams, it probably means that there were a number of different products and services and just different ways that the organization was, it, it's client, client base. And because the product teams are probably the most knowledgeable in how things run internally, I think that it definitely makes sense for the data privacy team to leverage that knowledge and that expertise as opposed to you know, just sitting on your office, on your desk and trying to like piece this together. 
but you may not have as much information or deep knowledge as like a product team was because a product team is involved with taking an idea working with the uh, or handing it off to the technology team and they have a, a, a I would say a deep understanding of okay what are all the systems involved how do our users interact with the systems what are the data that, that we collect how is that used that's that, that's very wise would you mind sharing the industry of your company in terms of size if, if it's like 500 employees mm-hmm. 2000 employees just very broad uh, Demographics? Sure. So um, at a high level, it's a financial company that has different uh, a proprietary soft software as mm-hmm. well as it uses uh, other third-party software. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a company that's over 3,000 employees and, okay. and we're global. Got it. Okay, cool, cool. And I would say that it doesn't surprise me that a financial services company built a team to support this because... The financial services space is a very regulated space. GDPR is probably just one of the uh, data privacy responsibilities that fall under the group. And when your company built the team, I, I think it it's it's a, a good foundation that it has set because we, we're seeing data privacy bills and laws reigning here on the U.S. side. And I'm sure that they are going to be looking very similar to G- GDPR. And by having GDPR covered, I think that it positions the team and the company at a good base to be able to address any new things that may come on the U.S. side. I agree. That's true. Okay, cool. Continuing on with just your personal journey with helping your company with GDPR, you mentioned certifications. So I think that when we first met, you were you were in the either in the early process of working on a certification or you were thinking of doing certifications. So certifications is something I, I get asked lots of questions about certifications. So can you talk about how they were useful on your journey with helping your organization with uh, building up a data privacy program? So there are some people that feel experience mm-hmm. trumps certifications okay or certifications trump experience mm-hmm. i don't look at those two as in competition okay with each other okay i feel that the individual where they want to go is they need to look at what industry what company that they want to work for and look at the job description of how is the what are they asking in their job description? Are they asking for Comp Tia Security Plus? Are they asking for an IAPP certification? Or they could be asking for an ISACA, mm-hmm. you know, a CISM or something. Mm-hmm. You know, so you really need to you know, to 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 see what people in the industry, what certs or experience that they have, mm-hmm. and I think that you need to go from there because. Not every position is going to be the same and not every organization is going to ask for the same experience or certification. So Mm -hmm. start there. Mm -hmm. Me personally, because Mm -hmm. I did come from a code and web development background, Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep that skill set. I wanted to understand the software. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking at, for example, 
privacy by design, mm-hmm. I need to be able to understand code, mm-hmm. how the developers are writing it, mm-hmm. what secure code is. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to also get into network security. Mm-hmm. I needed to understand scripting, mm-hmm. which is why I learned a little Python, which is why I learned about vulnerability testing. And then I studied for my CompTIA Security Plus mm-hmm. because it emboded all of that. It you know it's net, networking and security. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was the best route for me and my journey. Mm-hmm. So what I my advice is mm-hmm. just again to look at the company, look at what you enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and that will be your best path. Okay. No, I actually really like the way that you explained that because the times that I've gotten this question, I feel like there's, um, I don't know if desperation, desperation is is the right word, but I I sense a lot of anxiety from the person that's asking the question. These are individuals that are very interested in breaking into the space and they feel very lost. They feel very lost because there are lots of different paths and lots of different certifications. And it just it's just a lot of noise. And I, I appreciate the way that, that you broke it down where you have to be mindful about what your goal is or what your interests are. And once you have defined those, like they don't have to be finalized and set in stone, but just just have an idea of the direction that you want to go to. If there's a particular job or a particular industry that you want to go go to, just to focus there and then identify, all right, what are the certifications that are valued that where I want to go as opposed to collect 10 different certifications? Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't really help you get to anywhere that may be of interest, right? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to admit, so earlier in my career, like I was the, the the same way, like I felt anxiety behind. All right. Cybersecurity, it sounds very awesome, very interesting. It looks like the job market is getting hot. And I remember um, like making a list of like five different certifications and I had no idea which one to to go to. But it was to the help of my mentor, Carlin. She helped me just break it down with like, all right, what 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 do they actually mean, and and how will they help you? So my my, my first start with, with certifications was with uh, ISACA's CISA certification, mm-hmm. Certified Information Security Auditor, and then from there I went into the CIPP realm, mm-hmm. and I was able to get my certification to understand the law on the U.S. side. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Welcome. Cool. So you mentioned resources that you used uh, to to learn the, the the material. So we talked about certifications. You talked about the resources that were available by the ICO. Besides those two resources, would you say that there were any other resources that were critical in your job with helping your organization uh, build uh, this uh, privacy program? NIST was very important. NIST, okay. <laughs> NIST. Talk, talk more about that. Well, NIST, the, they, they have the cybersecurity framework, okay. and they also have the guide for conducting 
risk assessments. Okay. There are tons of risk assessment frameworks out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are. There are. There's <laughs> tons. Yes. yes. So my company, uh, we even looked at a French privacy impact assessment okay. uh, called CNIL. Uh, C-N-I-L. Okay. But that's just one, you know. I think Ireland has one, and mm-hmm. there, yeah, U, U, UK probably has one. So, yes, but I would say that uh, NIST provided, uh, you know, a good framework mm-hmm. um, and guides that uh, that that we looked at. So mm-hmm. as well. Okay, cool. So I am a fan of the NIST cybersecurity framework like there's different NIST standards um and it are, are you referring to the the CSF this uh, cybersecurity framework or 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 just the library of NIST the framework standards okay mm-hmm. got, got got it got it yeah I, I i feel like that's a very digestible framework yes. to start with you're right there's definitely lots of out, lots of them out there but i've seen some that are very tech technical mm-hmm. and they can be intimidating yes so nist cybersecurity for framework okay yes and soon at this moment nist is working on the data privacy framework or mm-hmm. the privacy framework mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that's exciting that's coming out scheduled mm-hmm. to come out right at the end of the year mm-hmm. so i'm following that very closely okay well, so I actually had lunch with someone yesterday, Maurice, colleague uh, of ours. Yes, yeah, and so we were talking about how um, he, I think it was a friend of his, or, or either one. No, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing it. I'm confusing him with, with, with someone else. It was actually with Francisco. Mm-hmm. So Francisco is a graduate student at IIT, and he was explaining to me that one of his colleagues was a little bit lost with the security framework that they should adopt internally because they know that with privacy under the GDPR, there's this expectation to secure the the data that the organization holds. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, just venting how there was frustration that GDPR d- doesn't like assign that like you should follow this framework or that one. And and to me, I see it as a good thing because as a practitioner, I want flexibility to to pick the framework that aligns with how I, I like to think about things. So I, 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 I just re- remembered about that. I just wanted to share. Hey there, Rocio here. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that an interesting conversation with Sanju? This was just part one of our conversation Tune back in next week so that you can listen to the second part of the conversation where Sanju talks about advice that she has for those that are owning data privacy at their organization and might be in the early stages of readiness. And she also shares what she enjoys the most with her journey with GDPR. Thanks again for catching this week's episode and see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the GDPR Stand-Up Podcast. If you need additional help, please check us out at gdprstandup.com. Until next time.